Thank you. It's good to, um, to be hanging out with you again to all our onliners as well. Uh, we just want to say a massive shout out to you and your host, Helen, uh, is a very good host. So make sure you touch base with her. Anything you need, she will sort it. Just no Uber deliveries for that one. Now, we're in a series in Ecclesiastes and... Um, I've actually really grown to appreciate this book that we're, we're going through. In my younger years, I'd probably read it and be like, that person's a bit bitter and twisted. But the more I've read it, uh, it's actually made me realise it's a great reality check, uh, especially going into a, a new year. And uh, it sort of helped me, is sort of like the Holy Spirit sort of saying, Jono, um, what foundations or what things are you grabbing onto in your life uh, hoping to, that they may give you um, fulfillment or stability, um, make you feel good self-worth or value. And I, I've found that as I've been reading through this, it's, it's been uh, really good for that. If you've ever dipped your toe into this book in the Old Testament, uh, you'll know that um, you'll quickly realise that it's not a book or one of your top five favourites that you'd take on a relaxing summer holiday. Uh, it'd be one of those books that you read, and as Tim Keller says, it is very, very difficult. It highlights complexity in life, um, and because life, as we know, is very complex, um, and that's just the reality of it. That's the reality of the world that we live in, and this book begins to address it um, from the author's point of view. Has anyone ever built Lego Technic? Has anyone done that? No? Everyone's too mature? Is it, come on, be honest. Don't worry about the girls. Those guys, put your hands up. It's all good, 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 good. I see those hands. Um, so anyway, I'm going to get Trav because my wife, uh, I think she must have seen that uh, me and the kids were fighting over Duplo as we are building these masterpieces. And so she bought me some Technic for, for Christmas. This is it. All right. Look at it. It's pretty amazing. I just didn't, oh, yeah, it's good. Um, and so my wife, uh, for Christmas, bought me this Lego Technic. And I was, um, you know, my years of trying to act mature, I went, who cares? This is awesome. And uh, they're really expensive. If, if you've built one, you would know why they are. And so she got it from, um, from Marketplace. And this is a huge shout-out, all right? For three weeks, she had it sitting on her desk at work, um, in her lunch breaks, she would broke it down piece by piece, putting it into Ziploc bags with colours and different shapes. Is that not amazing? Is that, look, I was stunned. I know you guys aren't, but that's pretty phenomenal. If it was me, I'd be like, here it is, break it. Thank you, yes. Um, but I remember she, she was talking, telling me about this, and she said all the guys would come past, like, that is awesome, Lego Technic. And then one actually stopped and said... Um, oh, has, is this his first one? And she said, yeah, yeah. And it's like, is he actually up to the standard to do it? And I was, I was horrified. I was thinking, Bree, what are you telling your colleagues about my, my skill set? Uh, I have done some handy things in my life. And I, I realised as soon as I pulled out the manual, why? This is the manual. Look. Like, I've... Like an aircraft manual is almost this size, you know what I mean? And, and it goes through, there's 2,500 different bits that you've got to put together. And if you've built one, 
you actually need to follow each step because if you miss a step, you'll quickly realise that it doesn't, the different parts you have to make don't fit or else it doesn't have the structural integrity that it needs. All right? And so there's a fair few times where I built it and I thought, no, no, I know what's next, built it, and then I had to pull parts back and put it together. There's even sections where you'll start building it a little bit, you'll think it's almost done, and it tells you to go and build another part. You know what I mean? And you're thinking, what is this going on? And it's almost a bit like faith, you know what I mean? Like you go, okay, I'll trust it, and then finally it all comes together. But I was thinking about it. The, the complexity and the, the thought that's gone behind designing this thing and all the different parts, it, it's, it, it looks, when it's finished, it looks fine, but when it's in bits, it is highly complex. And to me, this is where Ecclesiastes is, is going at. It, it's, it's talking about life and saying, life is complex. And there's a lot of complex issues that we want answers for and we don't get. And we can be left feeling pretty low on some of that. And we live in a broken world, and, and we're all guilty of it, me including, where because we've put God in the background, the world doesn't function how it was originally designed. And we all experience this daily. Tim Keller, a great thinker and writer, he this, he says, Ecclesiastes as a book is very, very difficult. If you think anybody says, oh, this is great, and then sits down and just reads through it one time, you're just going to say, Why, what in the world is this doing in the Bible? Ecclesiastes, he says, is the only book of the Bible written from the viewpoint of a skeptic, someone who is looking at life without God. Someone who's seeking truth and who's not standing in the place of a believer. Standing in the place of someone who is in relationship with God. But I found if you dig a little deep into Ecclesiastes, you begin to realise it speaks, amongst all the confusion, it speaks of a life-changing truth. Almost like this thread that sits through every chapter and it's a thread that you can find life and consistency in. Last week, um, we, Trav and, uh, Pastor Trav and Pastor Andrew did a, a brilliant job looking at Ecclesiastes 1 and giving a bit of a recap. And um, if this is your, your first time, let me give you a really brief update to where we're at because this might be your first time at church and Ecclesiastes, if you're going through it, might seem a bit bizarre. So the author of Ecclesiastes is pretty much, like we, it's unknown. We're, we can't be certain. But in all my readings, the majority of scholars would think it is King Solomon who is the author, just because of the different things that are mentioned from the fact of he's um, lived in Jerusalem, and he was a son of David, that he was rich, he was very wise, and a list come on. And so it doesn't really matter who the author is. But for tonight, let's press in as if it's someone like, is King Solomon or someone like King Solomon? Because it's a good illustration of it. It says this, as you, if we look at someone like uh, King Solomon, King Solomon, the Bible tells us, was the wisest man that had ever lived. Um, it was mentioned last Sunday morning, Andrew said that um, God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, I'll give you anything, what do you want? And his response was, I want wisdom. 
and as we read, God poured out abundant wisdom on Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 4, if you read through that, it says, God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands on the seashore. Say that a few times. In fact, his wisdom exceeded all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. And it actually says... Uh, that kings of all nations used to send their ambassadors to Solomon to gain his wisdom. So you're getting a picture of this person. But it doesn't stop there because Solomon wasn't just wise, but he was very successful. It, It states that he gained huge wealth, a lot of gold, a lot of silver. He attained a lot of land. He had cattle. He's the numerous horses and chariots that he had. And then his building and construction was was something to admire. I remember going to Jerusalem and you can actually touch uh, one of the walls that we read about in the Old Testament that Solomon built, one of the temples. And you can go and touch it. It's called the Wailing Wall and you can actually go behind it and see some of the excavations that are taking place. We're talking about history. And so we're talking about a man that if we sort of thought, if we could have had it all, it's Solomon. Like you name anything that social media or influencers or marketing tells us um, that we need today in order to feel valued, to feel like we're on top of our, our life, that we've got everything together, that we're doing okay, Solomon had it all. Everything he wanted, he could have. Everything was at his disposal. But think about this, in Ecclesiastes 1, the chapter just before, the very first words that are penned says this, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. It's pretty blunt. Here's someone who's got everything at their fingertips in saying, look, life is meaningless. And the reality is we actually all get to this point in our life. Whether you're going through it right now, maybe you've been through it, or maybe you're even realising this is something that ebbs and flows in life. And I don't know what it is that's triggered it for you, but maybe it's been significant loss or uncertainty, or family, or injustice, or mistrust, or maybe it's expectations that you had, or parents gave you expectations, or you've put them on yourselves and it didn't, you didn't meet it. And so you come to a point of saying everything's meaningless. You come to a point of thinking life has no purpose. Or maybe you just even watch the news. If you watch the news, it doesn't take long until you get to a point where you... You see the horrific injustice to humanity. And I don't know about you, but it leaves me asking questions. It leaves me beginning to think, like, what is this all about? And so do you get it? He's a man that's got it all together, but still at a point where he's like, everything I have is meaningless. So come with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And as you're turning to your your pages or you're getting ready to look on the screen or on your device, this is what Wearsby, a Bible commentator, says. It says, Solomon had the means and authority to do just about anything his heart desired. He decided to test his own heart to see how he would respond to this very common experiences in life. 
And so he goes on this action plan to go, well, I'm going to go find out what is going to bring me life. And so from verses 1 to 3, the first thing he, he pursues is pleasure. He, he goes after pleasure. And the second one he does is building or employment, verse 4 to 11. And these are the two things as he's desperate to find peace in his soul. So read with me Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2. It says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in my life. But this is the very next sentence. This is what he says. But I found that this too is meaningless. In other words, he's just poured out his life into experiencing every pleasure that life could offer, and he still comes back saying, I'm still not fulfilled. He goes on to say, laughter is silly, meaning folly. He says, what good does it do to seek pleasure? He continues to say, after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine and while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. Like I, I, I grabbed onto other things and some finer things than life. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during this brief life in this world. Let's stop there. Pleasure. Why has he gone to pleasure? Well, an interesting note is this is actually his second attempt. Ecclesiastes actually said, firstly, sorry, in Ecclesiastes 1, it actually says that he used his wisdom in his mind first. He's like, I'm going to think it out. I'm going to use every bit of intelligence and knowledge I've got. And he's left in the same place. He's like, my brain can't do it. So he goes to pleasure. And I think if we agree, most of us would agree that pleasure is pretty high on our agenda as, as humans, yeah? Like, it's a pursuit of the human heart. Like, I'm not talking about just sexual pleasure. I'm talking about the pleasure in all different forms. Like, think about it. We work to earn money so then we can spend it on things that give us pleasure or enjoyment. Now, I'm not saying those things are wrong, but this is the reality. Like, for some of you, it's food. You work, you earn money, and you love going to nice restaurants. Some of you, it's experiences, like you love to travel and do all these different things. See, this is his problem. See, but pleasure is a gift from God. I want you to hear that. It was designed by God, but there's also a huge problem with pleasure. Pleasure that is not tethered to the truth is like giving one of my kids a big tin of red paint, a paintbrush, and leaving him in the lounge room unattended for the afternoon. It's going to be wild. Like, I speak from experience. Maybe not red paint. Pleasure promises us something that it can never deliver. It can never deliver if we elevate it to a place of where it is, the pleasure itself is the source of life. It was never intended for that. When we look to pleasure to fulfill the cravings of our soul, it becomes very destructive because it never satisfied. It was never intended for that. One of the, the readings that I was, I was going through said this. It says, 
Addiction counsellors will tell you this. He'll tell you that, that pleasurable agents give you a rush at first. But then there's a tolerance factor. A, a pleasurable agent will give you a great, great experience at first, but the next time it will take a little bit more to get the same experience, the same amount of pleasure, and then the next time a little bit more, and the next time a little bit more, and a bit more because we adapt. And pleasurable agents wear off in their ability to create pleasure. Because you need more, and you need more, and then you need more. And as you may know, that's how addictions, alcoholic, um, sexual addictions, drug addictions begin. And as they grow in their fullness, they actually can derail your whole life. But this isn't just talking about those addictions. What other areas in your life? Are you pursuing pleasure to fulfill a hole in your life? Think about it. Maybe it's that need to, spill, uh, to spend money or purchase something just to get that little bit extra you know, kick. Have you ever been in that when you're feeling a bit down and then you're just scrolling and next minute packages start turning up on your doorstep? Like it feels good, doesn't it? You finally get it and you're like, that is awesome, that's great. And then a couple of weeks later, it's just sitting there. Or maybe it's the other way. You love to bring all your money in. It gives you great pleasure to see your bank account grow. And the problem is you become a slave to it and you don't actually enjoy the things God's blessed you with. Or you become so ungenerous. Maybe it's the uh, desire to be at the top of your class, whether it's in sport or dance or at school, because that feeling, like you'll do it at all costs to get to the top because you know that feeling will make you feel of worth. And that pleasure makes you feel like someone. Maybe it's chasing those experiences to block out hurt or to escape reality. I don't know what it is for you. But you'll know what they are because as soon as you attain them, it's not long until you're looking for the next purchase or the next career or the next relationship or the next experience or the next house. And I see this happening where what can creep in is this grass is greener mentality. You know what I mean? Like we, we always see it. We think, I, I need that. Finding our lives continually searching, but it's never ending, the research. One of the biggest things like, I see that we, be, we believe as, as humans is uh, we go in this belief of, you know, I mean, if I'm not feeling this adrenaline rush or this ex- excitement in my life, well, then there's something wrong. You know, like, I, I need to continually have these amazing experiences where I'm just skipping around all the time because that knows, then I know my life is on track. But I want you to know that's not true. That's actually the result of a world pursuing after pleasure and not the truth. You know, I mean, I see that in, can be relationships or careers, like it'd be like a, a mundane relationship or career or it's just monotonous. And so then we, we think it, the next thing will help. But that's because we're pursuing pleasure. But the reality is, is God's called us into this life where we can learn to be content. 
I remember going to um, a city when I was overseas in the Holy Land, and it was uh, built by the, the Romans. It was amazingly still in, intact in a lot of ways. And uh, I remember walking through the streets and being amazed by the forward thinking of the Romans, and their, their roads and their, the way their gutter systems collected water. Uh, I, I remember going through and, and seeing even the way that they collected fresh water. People would use that water for drinking. Then that would move on for washing, and then that water would move on to do their, their bathrooms and then out for the sewerage. And then we came to this massive um, amphitheater. It's huge. And I remember standing on the, the stage of it and looking out, and then I listened to what our uh, guide said, and, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm not sure if it's fully true or not, but he said one of the reasons, just one of the reasons that the Roman Empire collapsed or began to fade out is because their ability not to be content. See, they built these, these amphitheatres to entertain the people because if they could keep the people happy, then they could rule well. And they'd put on all these dramas. But you could imagine after years of dramas, everyone's like, this is a bit boring. And so they upped the dramas and then the dramas became sexualized. And then it got more sexualized to the point where they were wanting more and more. And it got to a point they were so bored of that, they couldn't get enough of it that they actually began to do executions on the stage to feed this ever-growing appetite that was within them. And he said it, it never was enough for them. I thought it was so interesting because it's so true. Pleasure. And then he turns to his next attempt, employment or business, and he says this, he goes, I also try to find meaning by building huge homes for myself, by planting beautiful vineyards, I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees, I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves, I bought slaves, both men and women, and others born into my household, I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasures of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, um, both men and women, had beautiful concubines, and I had everything a man could desire. Verse 9 says, So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me, and wisdom never failed me. Verse 10 says this, Anything I wanted I would take, I denied uh, myself no pleasure, meaning I tried it all. You know I mean, I, I've got the resources, I've got the money to do it. I've tried it. I've turned every stone over. He says, I even found great pleasure in hard work and a reward for my labours. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so what? Meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Meaningless. Dead end. Last week, uh, Trav and, and Andrew used the word hevel. And uh, we learned that the Hebrew word for meaningless is hevel. And uh, it literally translate, it translates in the word vapour or breath, uh, which in the context of this book indicates something is fleeting. And so I too 
couldn't be bothered driving across town to get dry ice to, to help illustrate this. So I raided my kids' uh, gear, all right? So this is a bubble machine. Actually, their one was in the rain and it didn't work, so I bought this one for them. They'll be very excited if they eat their dinner. Um, and so this is it. So let me turn this on for you. This is probably the best $20 you could ever buy for your kids, all right, and myself. I know, epic, eh? We should just use these for Christmas lights. But this is what, this is what they're getting at in Ecclesiastes, okay? Like, pleasure. Like, it's actually saying that it's meaningless. It's in, you can't actually, like, catch it. You might get it to rest for a bit, or even trying to clate them, it's impossible, these are all very distracted right now, eh? <laughs> oh, the message has gone out the window. No, no. And, and so we try all these different experiences in life. And, and we build houses. And there's nothing wrong with building houses. But we're trying to build things to try to give us worth. And we're trying to grab all these things to make us feel like we've achieved something. I'm going to turn this off before everyone is gone. We'll let that go. But isn't this true? This is pretty much what Ecclesiastes is saying. Everything that is founded in self is meaningless. It just vanishes. It's all gone. Okay, he tried work. I was thinking about this, looking at pictures of the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the Sydney Opera House. Two very... Uh, significant architectural feats. Does anyone know who designed them? Like, I can't even remember it. There's architects in this place and their hands aren't up. Like, you know what I mean? This is the reality. This is what he's talking about. There's, there's been these amazing things that have been created, admired across the world. But here's this person who slaved away, pouring out everything they could, but yet they're not even remembered. And this is what uh, the, the author's saying. He's like, we do all these things, but no one even remembers who we are anyway. So why are we doing all these kind of things? He continues on in verse 24. He said, so I decided there was nothing better in this world. Actually, he goes on and says that I, I actually hate all my hard work. And says that, like, this is crazy because I've realised that the wise and the foolish, you know what I mean, why even be wise? Because the wise and foolish end up in the same place anyway. It says that they both die. Like, why even bother? Like, I'm just going to leave everything that I've built and made to someone else. And I don't even know if they're going to respect what I built. I I don't even know if they're going to remember who I am. But then he says this in 24. So I decided that there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and find satisfaction in work. And then in the next verse, it's like he he has a God moment. He says, then I realized that these pleasures are actually from the hand of God. For we can... For who can eat or enjoy anything apart for him? For God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. Did you hear it? For who can eat or enjoy anything apart 
from God. My mind immediately went to John 14.6. This is what Jesus says. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Like anything we pursue that's not Jesus at the center is meaningless. It's never intended to be an anchor for us to hold our life on. It's only Jesus. This is why I love Colossians 1. It's so dear to my heart. It says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God and he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through God, or through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see. He made the things we can't see. Uh, like thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created, listen to this, through him, and it was created for him. This is the main thing. Jesus is the only one that can bring meaning to your life because he is the creator of your life. He is the giver of life. So you take Jesus out of the picture and things that are meaningless begin to find purpose. Verse 17 said it existed before anyone else or anything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. We read about the Apostle Paul. who was just so focused on the things of God. But listen to what he says. His key to life was this. In, verse, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 said, For I have learnt how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learnt the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And literally the chapter before that, he, he says, I count everything I have in my life lost in comparison to gaining Christ, having Christ as my center. I had this amazing opportunity. Uh, a, a good mate of mine um, and my wife, Bree, uh, flew over from the States and um, he rang up and he said, oh, look, I'll come over and have dinner. I'm coming out. He, he does sound for a, a, a band and we caught up and he says, come and I'll get your tickets to the, the show. And we're like, that sounds awesome. Got rid of the kids and then turned up and having the, an awesome time. We had these amazing seats on the side and... Um, and he texted me and said, hey, do you want to come down to the, the sound desk and, you know, come down the front and I'll show you how everything takes place for this show that we're going to take place. And I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome. Brie was quite happy in her luxurious seats. And so um, he walked up and I watched him. It's like a 12,000 seat auditorium and he works his way all the way through and he comes to where the, the stands come up like this and security's there and they just look at him and step to the side and he walks up and comes up and beckons me across and... I'm like, oh, okay. I followed him. We followed him back down the stairs, past the security, and he just, you know, nods to them and pretty much says, he's with me. 
And so there's little Jono just walking behind him and we go across and then to the sound desk where everything is pretty much secured down and once again he just walks through, they split, says he's with me and I walk in there. And then he, he pulls out this, this card and he, and he signs it, puts his name on it and the date and then he hands it to me and it's, it's, puts it on my chest and it says AAA. It's a access all areas. And um, I didn't realise the authority that thing has. <laughs> like, Bree messaged me later and said, oh, can I come down? And he said, yeah, well, if you'll go up there and, and get us. So I walked across. I'm thinking, I'm going to test this puppy out. You know what I mean? Like, so I walked confidently towards the security guard and just popped my chest out a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, and Because uh, this never happens to me. And I walk up, and as I'm going to get out, there's a, a, another person there, uh, official, sort of doing their job, saying, oh, no, you're not allowed to go down there. And as soon as I walked up with this AAA on my shirt, she said, oh, I'm so sorry, yes, yeah, please go down. And I gave Bree a sticker to, and we walked in, and I, I just couldn't believe the authority, like to the point that when we left the building and the car park was gridlocked, and I need to use the bathroom. I said to Brie, let's try this out again, you know what I mean? Like, I walked back into arena where they're pushing everyone out, and the security guard was like, stop, and they saw my sticker, and they said, oh, and looked at their, their head and said, and he said, mate, you go through, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm laughing to myself. But what I realised in that moment, when you're in Jesus, Jesus stamps his name on your chest, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you become someone that has his name written on you. And that means that all of a sudden you have become a child of God. You're a new creation. You were created as a person of purpose. Like you're not created to go and find all these things, but you actually find your identity in Christ because he's called you out and he set you on a path. He's made you for himself. Like you were purchased at a price. That's how valuable you are. And when we start seeing that through those eyes, I tell you the other things begin to make sense. Like Jesus has called you his own. And that should change the whole way we think and do life. You're a royal priesthood with an eternal hope. He's demanded your soul from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And change the way we do school or work or our university, whatever area you're in, because it's not about trying to gain these things to get your purpose, but it's actually realizing God has a call on your life. And he wants to use you for his kingdom's purpose, to bring him glory and for others to know his love. Look, I, I think about that, that, that Lego that was there. there. There's little pegs this big, thousands of them. But you miss one of them and the structure becomes weak. And sometimes you might feel that all you are in the season you're in is just that peg. But that is so significant in the body of Christ, in the plans that God wants to do in and through us as a church or as a group of believers. Because the role that you're playing in that is huge. Your one interaction with person, 
with a person can change their whole eternal direction. Like I think of Mal Oldham. There'll be a photo of him as I wrap up. Ben, come and join me. There's a photo that I found of him in a trench pulling cable through in our old building. Our church is 32 years old. And he, I'm sure he might have thought that, oh, that was a meaningless day under that hot sun when he looked at his volunteer paycheck for zero. But I know that's not the case. He was doing sound in the 4 p.m. Because he knows that the investments he's done in that, which some people might have thought was meaningless, we know, I know, is meaningful because the amount of people that have come to witness and hear the gospel and have come to faith because of even that task that he has done, he would know it is worthwhile. And we stand on the shoulders of that. And so what tonight are you doing which you, you think God's called me that maybe it's meaningless? I want to say that if it's God's called it, there's a purpose. And if tonight you're pursuing things to bring yourself hope or to feel yourself energized or to feel worth, this book's telling us, don't go there. A king with everything on his plate tried it all. And he says, it's meaningless. Jesus is the only one that brings meaning. And so I'm going to get everyone to stand. And we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to search your heart. Maybe just with all eyes closed. Um, I'm going to get your hand, put your hands up for different things and I'm not going to point you out. Um, we're not going to usher you into a dark room or anything like that. It's just a, a good response. But tonight if there's stuff that you've been pursuing pleasure instead of God, will you just be bold enough just to put up your hand? This is just before, between you and God. Will you do that? Maybe you've been pouring all your, your heart into business or building things or once again not bad things but they've actually taken the place of God will you put your hand up you can put those hands down if tonight you've never given your life to Jesus and tonight you realise that Jesus died on a cross for you to take away your sin pour out grace and mercy upon you, to call you a child of God, to begin to breathe purpose in your, your life and you want to accept his forgiveness tonight, for you to be bold enough just to put your hand up, just throw it up high, just say, count me in on this. That's great. Any others? Put your hand up. Will you say this prayer with me? Jesus, I'm sorry for doing life my own way. And I now ask you to forgive me. I ask you to be king of my life. I believe that you died, you rose again, and that I'm now safe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to uh, worship. We're going to sing a song, Firm Foundation. But if you want prayer, if there's anything we can be praying for you, I'm going to encourage you to come forward. And the pastor team would love to be praying.